All right, Yuta, let me just put you on mute, if I can. Okay, I'll, I thought that you mentioned all the names. I thought I'd give you one more name. Oh, I'll say the name. Okay, so let me say the names. Okay, so we're starting. Let's do the review. Yesterday was Daf Mem Ches. Mem Ches. Uh, today's Mem Tes. And we're learning Rufur Shleima 4. Listening. Uh, Akiva, Akiva David Ben... Shana uh, Miriam. Akiva David Ben Shana Miriam. Got it. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. And Adasa Basronia. And um, all, all else who need it. All right. Okay. Very good. Yehuda, we miss you. We miss you, Yehuda. Yes. Okay. All right. All right, let's get started. Okay, so we are um, going right to the review of yesterday. It's not what did we learn yesterday. We started off talking about the Ger and the Eben Meshochar. Now, we saw in the Mishnah uh, that what, what seems to be saying that uh, Ger and an Eben Meshochar both require Kabbalah's mitzvahs. And that's what the Gemara thought, that that's what it's saying. And the problem is, is that we saw another source that says that it's only a Ger needs a Kabbalah's mitzvahs. And when freeing your slave, your avid Kanani, you don't need to go through a process of Kabbalah's mitzvahs. So that was our problem. It was a contradiction. So our first answer, Rav Shesha says that it's a machlokas tanoi. You have Rav Shem ben Elazar and the Rabbanon. Um, is talking about, they're talking about machlokas with regards to Obachsas Aviyavas Ima, She cries for her parents. And uh, Rav Shesha says, uh, so basically, um, that this whole process of waiting a month's time is only um, if she did not, she was not willing to accept uh, Judaism. But if she's willing to accept Judaism, then you just took, put her in the mikvah, and then you're permitted to have relations with her immediately. So says, "What do you mean? You don't need to wait for that either. You can just put her in the mikvah as a, as a shivcha." Then you put her again in the mikvah to free her, and then um, then she's also going to be mutter right away. So what do you see? According to Rav Shem ben Elazar, you don't need any Kabbalah's mitzvahs um, when freeing a slave. Um, so that's a machlokas, clearly. So that's what we think that the Mishnah is saying that you do because it's going like the Tanakama. There, the Bryce that we saw that said not is going like Rav Shem ben Elazar. So Rav says, what's the logic of Rav Shem ben Elazar? So he says, because the Apostle talks about an Evet Ish Miknas Kesef. What does the word mean, Evid Ish? It's unusual. It doesn't mean Evid Ish and not an Evid Isha because why should that make a difference? Answer is, is that it's coming to tell you only an Evid Ish can get a Mila even if he's not interested. But by a Ben Ish, meaning somebody who's coming to convert, conversion will only be good if it's, um, if it's willful, if he wants to do it. Okay, so that's the, that's the idea. How did the Rabbanon learn that? They say, uh, so that it's, uh, they say, no, if you can't do a Mila for a Ben-ish against his will, so you can do a Mila for an Ebed-ish either against his will. So what does it mean, Ebed-ish? It's not just mean to exclude Ebed-isha, but it's like Shmuel says, that if somebody who's Mafkir is a slave, makes his slave Hafkir, he goes out free and he doesn't even need to get Shekhar. And that's based on this Pasuk of Ebed-ish, because it doesn't mean ebed and not ebed what it means is in that his master has power over him, has control. If he made him hefker, he no longer has control. 
and then he's no longer considered an Eved. So that's learned out from the same words. Comes a longer puppet, and he says, you know, this whole discussion is all machlokis between the Tanakam and Rabshim and Lazar is only with regards to Yifastor. Yifastor is very different because she has no interest in mitzvahs. She's not the before and the after. And that's why there's two sides. But if you're talking about an Eved, who, as a slave, he was keeping all the mitzvahs, so then it could be that even the Rabbanu would agree that you need that you do not need Kabbalah's mitzvahs at the end. As the Brisa says, a ger and a lekech evim and over kachavim, they both need Kabbalah's mitzvahs. But if you're a lekech of an evet mi Yisrael, you don't need a Kabbalah's mitzvahs. So it's massive. If it's going like a Shemin Lazar, nobody needs a Kabbalah's mitzvahs, even if, when you buy from a guy. So Elamai, it must be going like the Rabbanan, and you see that even by the Rabbanan, their moda, they agree that when you're buying from a Yid, meaning he's already a slave from another Jew, he's already keeping the mitzvahs from the other Jew, so there's no need for a Kabbalah's mitzvahs. So the Gemara says, so the question is, Ay, doesn't it say, Echad Gever, Echad Evan Meshachra? How do we explain that? It's not talking about that they both need Kabbalah's mitzvahs, it's just talking about that they both need a tefillah in the mikvah. That's all it's saying. Okay. Next we saw is that uh, we're talking in the parsha of Yifastor, we said that she shaves her head and she makes her nails. So what does it mean making her nails? Does her nails. So uh, according to Rebbe Yezer, it means to cut her nails. And according to Rebbe Kiva, it means to grow out her nails. So Rabbi Eliezer says, how do I know it means to cut? Because by the head, what you do is to cut the hair. So by the fingernails, what you do is you cut the nails. Um, and Rabbi Kiva says, no, we learn from that. Just like by the head, what you're doing is to make her look uh, unappealing. So too, the growing up the nails will make her look unappealing. So interesting how, I guess, history changes. They're both right, depends on yeah. when. Some people find the long nails pretty. Some people find the long nails ugly. And that's a bit that changes, it changes historically. The styles change. Styles change. So. A child from your first Torah is a Jewish or not? Yeah, Jewish. 100% because Jewish. Because it wasn't macabre anything. She's a mikvah or nothing. Yeah. But it's like a, it, it's very similar to like a, a, an Ebed who didn't, you know, who you just free them or whatever. But the child, if she becomes Jewish, she... You go, once you go through this process, then she becomes your wife, and she's 100% Jewish. She keeps the mitzvah somehow, you know, like you, you, have, you have her do that, but she's not really given a choice. All right. Shivcha keeps all the mitzvah. Right, Shivcha also keeps mitzvahs against her will, so it's not that different. Um, anyway, so we have uh, an interesting raya to Shitas Rebliezer, who says that it's to cut the nails, because we quote by Mephibosheth Ben Shol that he came to the king, and he didn't do his feet, and he didn't do his mustache. What does it mean he didn't do? It means he didn't, his mustache clearly means he didn't trim his mustache, and didn't do his feet means he didn't trim his toenails. So it means to do it, obviously, is to... It means to do those things. So, asiya is to cut it. Havara is the removal. Okay. Next, we said that uh, that uh, that it says, She cries for her father and mother for 30 days. So, Yerach we'll find the time timeline soon. So, Reb understands crying for her father and mother is crying for her parents. Meaning, she's leaving her parents, she's going uh, with this strange man, 
So, whatever. So that's why you give her a, a month's time to cry for the past. That's Shitas Rebliazer. It means regular parents. And according to Rebekiva, Avia and Ima is referring to idolatry because she's leaving all of her idols and going into joining the Judaism. So, therefore, there's no idols anymore. So that's the Avi. 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 It's, a, it's an expression. It has to wait 30 days? Uh, it, it takes 30 days of crying, of leaving that lifestyle. That's what it sounds like. Now, we said it's Yerach Yamim. It's Machlokis. What does that mean? First, the Tanakhama says that Yerach means Shloshim Yom, period. And that's what's required, is a 30-day period. But Rav Shimon Elazar says that it's actually 90 days. Why? Because Yerach is already 30 days. Yamim is another 30 days. And then it says, And afterwards, meaning after another 30 days, so that's the um, um, that is the the amount that you have to wait ninety days. Now Ravina says, you know, once you say the drush is coming to be marbis, so then maybe Yerak should mean thirty days, Yamim should mean another thirty days, and Achrakein means um, means after the sixty, the combination of the shloshim and shloshim, another after another like that, so then maybe it should be one hundred twenty days. So the Gemara says, Kasha, that is a difficulty, but uh, we don't give it too much. We don't worry about it too much. Okay. Next thing we've talked about is, what's the story with keeping slaves who do not have a brismila? So according to Rabbi Shmuel, that's an option. You can have a slave that doesn't have a brismila, and that's even a long-term option. And Kibbe says, no, you're not allowed to keep any slaves that do not have a brismila. So Rabbi Shmuel says, but doesn't it say, how does Rabbi Shmuel understand? It says, the Apostle says, Now who is that? It's talking about an Ebedora. So the fact that he has to rest, that means that there's this phenomena of having a slave that doesn't have a Mila. So what did Rabbi Kiva say? He says, you're right, but that's for a very, very extenuating case. It's talking about where a person bought a slave, on Erev Shabbos, and you just bought the slave, and there was no time to snip, no time to do a bris Um And that, he also has to rest on Shabbos. But, uh, so the Gemara is saying, that's interesting, that uh, both Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva are looking at the words, the word Ben is referring to, um, is referring to an Eved who is not, does not have a bris Where do you see that in the text? Like my answer is because the Pasuk says, we know ben that's an Ebed Aurel. How do you know it's an Ebed Aurel? Because we have another Pasuk, uh, in order that your servant and maidservant should rest like you. Now, what, who's that? That's talking about the Ebed that got a Brismila. So, who's the Ben Amoscha? Obviously, that's talking about somebody who did not yet get a Brismila and he too needs to rest. Um, so that's how we got to, to the idea that it means an Eved that is an Orel. Well, it says Ben Amoscha Ve'ager. Who is the Ger that's resting on Shabbos as well? Is it Ger Toshav? This is Ger Toshav. Now, how do you know it's a Ger Toshav? Maybe it's a Ger Tzedek. So the Gemara says it's a separate positive of Ger Tzedek. It says Ve'ger Hashem Sharecha. So that's a Ger Tzedek already. So what, who's the Ger over here? That's a Ger Toshav, who also rests on Shabbos. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Ger Toshav, remember, all, basically he just took his Mechabal not to do Abedazara. He, he still eats Nevela, so it's like a quasi-status. And, uh, and, he, and he shouldn't, and he also has to keep 
Shabbos, which is fascinating, interesting thing. And a, a ger toshav must keep Shabbos because since Shabbos is compared to idolatry, so there's like an extra level of requirement here. Very interesting. Next, we saw as Rabbi Levi says somebody buys a slave from a guy, and the guy does not want to. He's not interested in the first meal. Okay, did you go? Whatever. He's like no. no. Okay, so we we give him a chance till twelve months. If he um, if he still refuses, so then you go back and sell him back to a gentile, and you cannot keep him as a slave. So when the rabbanon said this over to Reb Papa, he said they said is this chorah? This not like Reb Gibb because Reb Gibb says you can't keep a slave at all. So Reb Papa says no, it could be like Reb Gibb. Maybe that's only when. It's uh, he never agreed to anything. He's like that Rebbe Kiva. It's like something like there's no uh, Rebbe Kiva is talking about if somebody who's refusing, flat out refusing from the outside. I'm not. I'm not doing. A, uh, you know, I'm not interested in anything, uh, including. Uh, he never is asking to keep any uh, aspect of Judaism, and therefore um, that's that's uh, so he, he got into the Brismila right away. Otherwise, there's no keeping such a slave. As opposed to over here, where he did agree to keep to keep Judaism, just what this is one thing that he's walking on to give him time, and maybe he'll agree. Comes along, Rav Kani sent it over to Rav Zvid Minardah. Rav Zvid Minardah asked the kasha on this. He says, then if that's true, so then why did Rabbi Kiva say that you want to know who, who Ben Amosche is? It's this weird case, the very uh, you know isolated case where a person bought a slave. On you know on erev Shabbos right before Shabbos and didn't have a chance to give him a bris meal. You could talk about this case as well if he's masking to it. So the Gemara says, but that's not a kasha. It could be that uh, he said one of the two possibilities. So it was uh, you know doesn't prove that uh, that Rabbi Kiva definitely doesn't disagrees with it. Then we saw Ravin sent in the name of Rabbi Loy, and he said all my teachers said this in his name. And Evan, Aurel, that you're allowed to keep is when you bought him with a condition not for not not to be not to give him a brismila. So that was in the initial purchase a condition, a limited. It was a limited purchase, and that also is like an exceptional case where you don't have to give him a brismila. So when the rabbanu sent it over to her papa, he said this clearly is not like Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva says there's no such thing. So Papa says, no, maybe Kiva will agree. He was talking about where there was no such explicit condition. Here we're talking about where there is an explicit condition. So, um, and maybe that, maybe that makes all the difference. Even Rav Kiva would agree in this case. So Rav Kana said, he sent it over to Rav Zvid Minarta. And Rav Zvid Minarta asked the same question. He said, if, if so, why did Rav Kiva come up with a case for Ben Amosra to be such a specific case of an event that you purchased Right before Shabbos, he didn't have a chance to give a risk meal. It could have been in this case. So the says, "You're right. We already agreed that it could be the other case. So now there's a, he said one answer. It could have been one of not only one of two, but one of three possible answers. So it wasn't like a con- conclusive." Comes along the Gemara of Chanina Bar Papi and Rav Ami and Rav Yitzchak were sitting on Rav Yitzchak stoop, and they were sitting and saying, "If you have a, there was a city saying over this, there was a city in Eretz Yisrael." That the slaves didn't want to give a brismila, they gave them a chance till thir- till a year, and then they had to sell them back to the goyim. Who is this like? 
It's like the Tana who says that when you buy a slave from Goyim and he doesn't want a brismila, so you give him a chance of 30 days, but if not, so then you have to sell him back to the Goyim. Shem ben says that you don't keep him in Eretz Yisrael at all. Such a slave that's not, that's refusing a brismila, and there is a problem to keep him maintained in Eretz Yisrael because they're considered Gentiles. They're not, and therefore anything they touch would be Tame, and that's a big problem. And uh, Eretz Yisrael's stakes are much higher for Tomei Taira, and that's why we're more Makvid. What? This situation where you can arrange ahead of time with uh, a condition that I'm selling you the slave, but he's not to be circumcised. Under what condition can we do that? Is that, is that legitimate? And how does that fit in with this? So you can't have a slave like that. Oh, well... Um, yeah, I, 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 it sounds like that is. A, I mean, I don't really have a, an understanding of why why it works that way. That that if you made a special condition, condition then it makes all the difference, and it's like it's like a limit. It's like you. In other words, the problem is to to have a true slave that actually is going to be that that that's uh, a true slave. That, that doesn't have a brismila, that doesn't exist. But this, obviously, if he's conditional, that means that you don't really have him as a slave. It's not, not a true... It's, so, it's, so it's like a different category. That's the idea. Category of, uh, right. So this is talking about a genuine slave, and it's just not with a brismila. That's not really an option, a long term. It's a 30th thing. You know, you give him a year to get, you know, to right. possibly get, get into it. How does that... I mean, slaves... You don't usually think of slaves as having a choice or a decision in anything concerning their, their, their status. How yeah. can they refuse? I mean, it certainly wouldn't be the case slavery in this country. They'd beat them well, that was, that was exactly, that was exactly the, the, that's part of the question of do we give a brismila to slaves against their will? That's exactly right. Or do we give them the choice and then we, if they're not willing... Since it's like a, that's the idea. There's even though that's exactly. First of all, there's two points on. There's two views on this. You're understanding that, right? There's one view that we saw already that that we don't really give them a choice. You know, that's we just the way it is. Right, but uh, the point being is is that our concept of of slavery is that they're actually kind of Jewish. You know what I'm saying? They're keeping the mitzvahs, uh-huh. so it makes sense that they should have to have some sort of. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's an agreement, you know, like, look, if you want to, you know, otherwise I'll sell you back, it's not going to be better for you, you know, to be, and it's not like your option is either, either be, choose Judaism, or you go free, so I'll, I'll go free, or either choose Judaism if you're going to be my slave, and it was probably known in that world that, you know, choosing Judaism is, is, a, you know, a Jewish slave owner is going to be a lot more morally kind to their slaves and not going to be beating on them. All those halachas are going to apply. So uh, they have that option. Or go back to the regular slave block and be sold to a Gentile who's not going to be treating you that way. Right. I mean, so, and mind that's mind. called, so that's still a choice. But so This is a different concept of slavery because this right. the fact that any slave has a choice or a decision or an option to do something different flies in the face of what we we understand slavery, but obviously the Jewish understanding of slavery is fundamentally different. He's keeping mitzvahs. He's accepting to do mitzvahs to some degree. And that survives even in the, in the, the, the view of the one who says that we force it. Does that survive that concept of, of slavery? Well, well, no. It sounds like well, that was a that was that was a different take on that. Uh, uh, what, 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 you know.
There was one view that, at least by Yifastor, that, 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 that we don't really give them an option. And there's the view of Rabbi Shem Ben-Alazar, who seems to say, in general, that, that we don't need any, any Kabbalah at all. We don't need any, any accepting. You know, that, uh, of course, it's not uh, a point that's about now, but the Mahlach at some point in history was decided in, in one favor or the other, which side of the world you fall on. Um, you know what I'm saying? Historically, where, where did... Yeah, it seems. Uh, I mean, as far as the, as far as the Mila, we we seem to be going with this uh, with this idea that basically, we, you know, there's a there's a period of time, of uh, of, of, of 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 up until twelve months, but uh, that's it. After that, if he still refuses, then you can, you know, that's the bottom line. Yeah, then we sell him back to the coin. Right, exactly, and that seems to be the basic the basic law. So in other words, but we're not forcing him the mila. That is what's going on. So that is the halachic final. That's a final ruling. How we understand it. I wonder how this worked in uh, in America, in the South, when Jews <laughs> did have slaves. Plantation in the South, right? Yeah. I wonder how that how this worked out with them. Did they give them a choice? Did they did they not use the taskmasters that you know you read about that everyone else did? Uh, right, I don't know. There, there, there are, there are. There's not much material on it. You know, it'd be interesting. Uh, it is. Were they religious? Were well, the oh, Jews religious? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. Even if they weren't religious, they might have still had some sort of sense of Jews what. They're right. They have some sort of sense on this. Anyway, very interesting. All right. Anyway, so that was the. That's the bottom line over here. And um, um, and that's what they did. So the Gemara says is that uh, the, 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 this is the, the, the basic idea of 12 months. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says that the, you don't keep them in Eretz Yisrael ever. Such slaves, you don't want them in Eretz Yisrael, and that's because they're ruining all the tyros. And we said also, if it's a border town, you also can't ever keep such slaves because there's a fear that they'll be like spies. They'll share any information they gather with the Gentile neighbors. Um, and if they get the brismila, so then we're not worried about that. That brought us into the, the end of the Gemara, which is an interesting side point. Why is it that converts now, they seem to suffer after the conversion? I mean, after they went, all they went through and came Jewish, why do they have a rough time of things? And we saw a few answers. The first answer we saw was because they were, uh, they were not careful in the Shemitz was Ben Enoch before they converted, and therefore they're being taken to task for that now. Mar rejects that uh, because uh, um, Rabbi Yossi rejects that. He says that when, since the halacha is a gerish and a skarish, basically it, he's not taken to, for any of these activities. It's like a new person. So then why is he suffering? Because they're not so careful in the details of mitzvahs. They're not trained from youth to understand the nuances of, of, of details of mitzvahs. That's hard for them. That's number one. Number two, Abba Hanun says in the name of Blazar, it's a different reason is because they're acting not out of love, but out of fear. They're more like, that's a, a, more of a, it's interesting. The Gentile, um, I guess, culture was more like a fear-based system. And uh, when they're doing the right thing, they're not doing it out of, out of love of God, they're doing it more out of, 
fear, uh, fear of punishment, uh, which is not, not, not the right way. And the uh, last, Chirim uh, say, is the reason is because they were not, uh, they were slow in converting. They weren't doing it right away. And that we do see a um, Rebbevo, and or either Rebbevo or Rebchanina says that there's a positive to that effect, that uh, when Boaz was talking to us, he says that Hashem should pay you, pay you reward you um, because you came hurriedly to uh, to Judaism. Meaning he didn't, she didn't tarry, she didn't wait. She was, um, a, you know, she was even a very young woman at the time when she converted to Judaism. So that's the story, and that is where we got up to yesterday. We'll stop here.